What's going on and welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sarson, joined by my co-host Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com. And joining us today, Andrew Lopez, who covers the NBA and the Pelicans for ESPN.com. As we heard from head coach Dan Van Gundy and David Griffin yesterday, and uh, we'll hear from more players later on today as training camp is, I guess, officially starting with, with player workouts <laughs> this week and then really getting together next week. I think Andrew, we'll start with that. That's the weird part about training camp. Look, we're uh, two day or two weeks away from the Pelicans' first preseason game at Miami, but yet I don't think any of the players can all practice together at this point. No, I think uh, we're looking at. I think until is it is it Sunday? I believe is when the first like group session is going to happen because of you know COVID testing protocols. You still have guys coming in. Some guys have been in market for uh, a few weeks. Some guys, I think, only one. Uh, I think it was Josh Hart never really left. Uh, everybody else has, you know, went out and did different things and went to different places. So uh, there, there's certain testing protocols that have to go through and individual workouts can happen this week. But I think what you're going to end up seeing is, um, as Stan kind of alluded to yesterday, you have a lot of guys who are not going to be as, I think, physically fit as they normally would be on the first day of camp just because of, uh, the the way things are ramping up right now. And I think uh, across the league, you're going to see um, a lot of teams being cautious with a couple of guys, with, with with certain guys on their teams. And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But it's it's really a, uh, you know, it's an unprecedented situation. But that's, you know, I guess 2020 for you. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and all 30 teams are dealing with it. It's not just the Pelicans. But speaking of the press conference yesterday with, with Stan and David, did anything stick out to you? Um, with either of those guys, whether it was, you know, Zion was a question about, you know, how he fits with uh, Stephen Adams, some of the new guys, how Eric Bledsoe fits. But was there anything that stuck out to you about either of them and what they said yesterday? Two things. One was the the Zion and Stephen Adams fit. I think a lot of people um, around the league and and both media and people in the league uh, thought that, the, you know, your ideal person next to Zion would be a shooter. Um, a stretch kind of big who can guard, uh, you know, maybe guard fives, but, it, but but essentially play the four offensively. And so a lot of people, I think, were surprised when, you know, they go out and get Steven Adams. But as, as Griff alluded to yesterday, you know, the Pelicans had some really good lineups with Derek Favors last year and playing next to Zion. And I think um, of lineups that played at least 250 minutes, and they were, I think, 53 or 54 lineups that played that many minutes together, five-man lineups. Uh, the Pels starting five with Zion, Favors, B.I., Lonzo, and Drew um, was fourth in efficiency in the NBA. It was one of the most efficient lineups uh, spread out over time, and I think that that was just because of how Fave and Zion were able to work and what they were able to do on the defensive end. And I think uh, the big key for me is when you go out and – if you're going to replace Drew, obviously you're losing a lot of defense. I think you're losing the best on-ball defender uh, in the backcourt in the league. But you do bring in a guy in Eric Bledsoe, who's a two-time uh, uh, all-defensive team selection. Um, you know, you're bringing in Steven Adams, who can help anchor the defense. And I think Steven Adams can bring you a lot on the offensive end with his passing ability, uh, maybe not necessarily his shot taking. Um, I do think that the Pelicans are going to try to lead the league in concussions per screen set this year. Uh <laughs> between Steven Adams and, uh, and Zion Williamson. So uh, I don't know if that's an official stat. I don't know if ESPN stats and info keeps that one. I'll, we'll, we'll have to maybe just track that one uh, on our own. But um, 
that that was an interesting fit that they 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 liked it enough to commit to that lineup basically or that that starting front court for the next three years because you you know you signed Stephen Adams to that extension. Uh, the other thing that stood out was how Stan Van Gundy plans to use Lonzo Ball. Uh, when you have Eric Bledsoe, I think Eric Bledsoe is going to be more of your traditional point guard in the half court, but you're still going to let Lonzo do uh, what Lonzo excels at, which is getting the ball out on a break, being the guy to uh, to hit ahead. And then in the half court, uh, they, they like his shooting percentages where it at. If that can stay there, he's going to be a good spot-up shooter. Um, and then getting him to be more aggressive in the pick and roll when, when talking to, when I, I think when I tweeted that yesterday, uh, it was a bunch of Lakers fans. And I mentioned basically saying, you know, we've been dying for him to do that. We, we were asking him to do that two years ago. So uh, if they can get Lonzo to be more aggressive and look to score off the pick and roll, instead of always looking to pass, as, as Van Gundy said yesterday, um, he's such a good passer that he can look to shoot first. And if it's not there, he can make a late decision and they're, they're comfortable enough with him uh, to, to, to make those decisions. So those are kind of the biggest takeaways I think from yesterday for me. Before I get to Jim, one more question about Zion. And I think knowing your luck with the NSPN stats and info, I feel like that that stat about concussions will probably come into play this year. So I look forward to you going into your, your bag of tricks with the SPN stats and info and giving me that kind of stuff. So I'm sure we'll have that. But as far as Zion, the other thing that intrigued me was talking that, you know, Stan might explore him playing the three a little bit. And so oh. in, in your eyes, how, how would that fit? How would that work with if there are some lines with Zion at the three? If, if you're going to have a lineup with Zion at the three, you almost certainly have to play Melly at the four. I, I, I think with the way this roster is currently constructed. Um, they do, I think, want him to be more of a slasher. I think he maybe wants to be more of a slasher, move off the ball. Um, he, he did a lot of posting up last year and I think that might, uh, no, no, honestly, he was great at it. He was, he was really, really good, uh, at, at posting up. He posted one of the most efficient seasons, uh, I think in, in, in NBA history in terms of, of, of scoring down low, especially for a young guy. Uh, but if he's going to be a, a, a three, uh, a couple of things have to happen. As Griff mentioned, one, he has to be healthy. Um, and, and all indications are right now that he is there, as, as, as Stan Van Gundy said yesterday. His, he has not been told there are going to be any restrictions on him when training camp starts, which I think is a good thing. Um, but he, he has to be healthy. He has to be able to move defensively if they want to play him at the three. He obviously needs to take a jump from last year. I think that is, uh, was maybe the biggest disappointment, uh, maybe outside of his availability, was his, his defensive capabilities. Uh, I think everybody kind of thought he would be a little bit better right there. But uh, if he's going to play the three, he's going to have to take a jump on that end. And I think that's going to be one of those things that I think remains to be seen. I, I, I guess maybe you could play him with, with, with a guy like Wenyan Gabriel. Um, but I think ideally, if you're playing him at the three, you want Melly in there at that lineup, um, you know, at the four to, to kind of stretch that floor a little bit and give him those lanes to the basket that he's looking for. And uh, I think more so than, than him playing the three in this kind of positionless basketball, I think his, the idea that they want to put the ball in his hands more and let him play make that, that was one of his strengths uh, at, at Duke. I do. I remember seeing clips of him, you know, getting the rebound, taking it up the break. And I, I remember there was, I think it was an early game at MSG where he fires one hell of a bounce pass to, I think it was RJ Barrett. Uh, he, he's got skills. He's got playmaking skills. And I think um, just unlocking that, whether he's playing the three, four or five uh, is going to be key to his growth this year. 
Andrew, like thousands of other basketball fans, I'm a devoted follower of your Twitter account. So I, I kind of <laughs> thought I would try to channel some of the bigger picture questions that I've seen you get from fans. And I'm sure a lot of us have seen from people. So not to put you on the spot, but I wanted to throw a couple at you and, and see what direction you wanted to take it. No problem. Um, first one is, uh, what do you think should be the goal for the Pelicans as far as playoffs, play-in round? What do you think is, is the, should be the, the objective going into the season? Be, because of the strength of the West, and we're going, I mean, I, I, I think making the play-in tournament would be a success. Um, that I, I do think having that 9 and 10 seed be able to, to, to work your way into the playoffs, I, I think that has to be the goal. Obviously, you, you want to make it to the playoffs. That's obviously always a goal. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, because of the strength of the West, uh, I, I feel that you just – if you can get into the nine to 10 spot, I think you're good. Obviously you'd want to get into seven or eight. Um, but I, I do feel that if you could be in the playing tournament, that's, that's a good season for me because of everything else. You, Cause you have the Warriors who didn't make it last year who are back. Memphis is still going to be Memphis. Portland is there. Phoenix got better. Uh, you know, you really look at the, at the playoff teams in the West and okay, maybe OKC drops out. Who knows what happens to Houston? So I, I think you're, you know, you can be in that in that race and be in the top ten. Um, so I, I, if you if you're missing the play on play in tournament, if you're 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, then I think it's a it, it's a failure of a season. Question number two. Uh, <laughs> the uh, this is this is one that uh, I'm sure everyone that covers the team can relate to. Um, how does the roster changes and specifically Eric Bledsoe coming in. I know you addressed this a little bit earlier, yeah. but how does this affect Lonzo Ball? It, it's really going to make him a different type of player. I, I, I think you're going to see more off-ball Lonzo. Um, I think you're going to see more more wing Lonzo. But uh, you know, you listen to Stan Van Gundy yesterday, and he he basically said we're going to run plays for Zion, we're going to run plays for Brandon Ingram, we're going to run plays for Eric Bledsoe, we're going to run plays for JJ Redick. Uh, uh, missing in that group was, was someone named Lonzo Ball. Uh, until Lonzo can prove that you, you're going to run spot-up shots for him, spot-up plays, uh, you're going to run uh, more pick-and-rolls to where he can be more aggressive. He has to, I think, show that aggressiveness first. Um, but I, I, I do think if, if you're starting a traditional starting lineup, I think I, I would consider Lonzo the two this year. Uh, where he will still play he'll he'll still have playmaking duties and I do think that um if you're pushing the ball up you're going to look to Lonzo first and and you're going to let Lonzo try to look ahead but uh once you get into the half court I think Eric Bledsoe is going to be able to take over and I think that is kind of what you need next to Lonzo is somebody who can get you more in the half court sets uh while still letting him uh do what is good for him and I think that's kind of the big key is playing to Lonzo's strengths as a, 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 a and just go back and think about, about us saying this at this point last year, Lonzo's strength as a shooter, uh, if he can continue that, and then his his vision, I think using those two things to your advantage, uh, if you're the Pels, uh, goes a long way. You mentioned uh, a lot about um, positionally between Lonzo and Bledsoe, obviously. I mean, I think one thing that's interesting about that's really helpful in terms of Lonzo's size is defensively. It seems like Bledsoe and, and him can 
can can alternate who they guard as far as oh, you know, yeah. if Lonzo, if you have two point guards, quote unquote, in the traditional sense, you know, one of them is going to have to guard somebody of shooting guard size. But the fact that Lonzo is six, six to me helps a lot. I mean, Bledsoe is extremely strong and he can guard guys that are bigger than him as well. But um, I think that'll be a, a, an interesting pairing. Um, question two B, I guess, is do you have a feel for, do you have a feel for what the Pelicans are going to do with all, all the guards that they have and all the guys that they, that need minutes? I, I think right now, because of the, the ramp up, I think you're probably looking at a, a, a 10, a 10 man rotation. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of this from, from different teams early on is you're going to see 10 man rotations, 11 man rotations, maybe even 12 man rotations uh, because of the ramp up. You're not going to have, as many preseason games, you're not going to have as long as a training camp. You're going to be worried about soft tissue injuries. So uh, if you go to, I think, a traditional 10-man lineup, I think you're looking at uh, Steven Adams and Jackson Hayes at the at the five, Zion and Melly at the four, right, where Melly's going to get pushed by Wynion Gabriel. Uh, Brandon Ingram at the three, where let's just say Josh Hart is the, is the backup there. Um, J.J. Alonzo at the two, if you will. And then uh, I think it's going to be Bledsoe and Nikhil to, to start the season as, as they bring Kyra Lewis along uh, a little bit slowly um, on draft night, Trajan mentioned that, you know, uh, that kind of the, one of the good things is, is they're, they're going to try to bring Kyra along slowly, but I think it was Stan who mentioned later that night. Uh, the good thing is that, uh, you know, everybody's on the same page. I mean, this is a new coaching staff. This is a new offensive system, a new defensive system. So everybody's kind of learning at the same time, but, um, I think that the, maybe the biggest battle that I'm looking at is, is Kyra versus Nikhil for what would be the backup point guard minutes. Um, and again, maybe, maybe we see an 11 man rotation. Maybe we, you try to keep minutes down for everybody to where, you know, maybe BI and Zion and, and Bledsoe and the, all, all those guys are playing in the 28 to 32 range early on uh, as they try to get their wind. Um, and maybe, maybe you see that for the first three or four weeks and uh, that'll kind of give you time to play out that battle um, uh, a, a little later. I do think you're going to see a lot of Josh Hart three minutes, uh, w- which is fine. Again, he can he's done he's done a lot of that uh, in his career, uh, and he can he can guard those positions. So uh, that that's I mean, to, I, I guess the simplest way is I, I think it'll be Kyra versus Nikhil for the backup point guard. One of those will be the odd man out, but you could see some deeper lineups than you would normally see because of the uh, the situation. Before I go back to Daniel, I forget who asked this yesterday about the Zion and Stephen Adams pairing. I know, uh, again, you addressed this a little bit earlier in, in what you discussed with Daniel. But I mean, how how much of a do you do you think uh, it's is it accurate to say that that um if there I think the phrase that was asked of of either Griff or Stan was you're zigging while the other the rest of the league is zagging. Yeah. Do you think that that's that could be one of the most interesting elements of that that not only that pairing but the season overall of, of that you could see a different style in New Orleans than you see in the vast majority of the twenty plus other teams in the league. In in talking to to people around the league, writers, other other folks, um, the Pels are maybe one of the more fascinating teams that I'm interested to watch, and, and on many different levels. One because how, how is this going to fit? Like I, I I don't know I. I was of the ilk of I was one of those guys who thought you should you should get a shooter to put next to him, um, and and you go you go the other way. Stan mentioned he's like you're going to play one style against the majority of the teams, and you're going to come down here and play a completely different style. 
um, you're gonna have a lot of screen set. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they they both joked about how you know I think it was Griff who said, "Can you imagine a double screen set by Zion and Stephen Adams?" I mean, that's gonna be really hard to get around. Uh, I think you're gonna open up Brandon Ingram for a lot of mid range, eighteen to twenty footers, and maybe you know he can step back and shoot threes. He's gonna have a lot of open shots this year coming off of those double screen actions. Um, it is it is interesting though for for them to 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 zig when everybody else is going the other way. Uh, I, I do think that Stephen Adams' passing ability helps out a, a lot here, um, but it, it, it it's going to be interesting to, to nonetheless. Of uh, you know, of, I think of the top twenty, top sixteen, really, of guys who shot the percentage of their shots from the paint. Uh, the Pelicans now have three of them last from last year of mm-hmm. guys who took at least two hundred shots. Uh, Jackson Hayes, who I think was third or fourth on that list. Uh, Stephen Adams and then Zion at 16. So uh, it's just a different way. Well, well, the other thing that they talked about is uh, Stan said he's never had two guys who have been this elite at offensive rebounding paired together. That's going to be one pair that I'm, I'm very interested to see how they work on that end of the floor uh, together where you should, you know, you should lead the league in offensive rebounding. Uh, so that, that part. And then when you, when you have to worry about Zion or you have to worry about, Steven Adams. Uh, that means you have to put bodies. You have to commit bodies to them. So maybe that slows down the transition, uh, you know, offense that the other team is trying to run because you're going to have two guys having to block out one or the other, uh, which could also open up, uh, you know, opportunities for, for one of the other guys. So you're going to commit two bodies to Zion and try to take him out in his second jump, or you're going to commit two bodies to Steven Adams, who's been one of the best offensive rebounders uh, in the league for the last five, six years. So, uh, there's a lot of interesting things that I, I just I kind of can't wait for the season to start because I want to see how it all fits. You can talk and talk and talk, but I want to see this actually uh, actually happen. Yeah, it should be fascinating to see how this all plays out. And we will get to see them in just a couple of weeks before I let you go. A couple more things. And uh, you mentioned Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, when when trades happen with teams and you, you get a, a younger piece of the of the puzzle, with Brandon Ingram coming from the Lakers, you never know how it's going to go if they fit well with the team or if these teams you're you're unable to sign a long-term deal with. But how important was it for the Pelicans to lock in Brandon for those five years, no player option, and now you really have the future set with with Bi and Zion, guys that are 22 years old or younger that are, are really the cornerstone for your your future. Yeah, and the Brandon Ingram thing is just it's it's a fascinating story when you go back to really what. 20 months ago, I, I think at this point, his, I, I don't want to say his career was in doubt, but his, 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 his basketball future was uh, uh, probably a little bit cloudier than he wanted to when he was dealing with the deep vein thrombosis in his shoulder. Um, you know, anytime you hear that in the NBA, you, you do kind of, you perk up, you kind of, you, you know, your ears, you, you get a little, you know, is this going to be a Chris Bosch situation? Is this going to be something that ends his career? And I don't think, he was ever in that mode. He always knew he was going to be able to come back, but um, you, you, let's, let's go to, I guess, last October at this point, uh, last September when he was cleared uh, by the Pelicans to start working, he got right to work and they could have tried to sign him to an extension at that point. And I think that would have been more along the line of a four 100 million four one ten deal where they would have got a little bit of a discount, but, I think all parties, uh, you know, the Pels wanted to see him get through some games, see if he was going to be healthy. The uh, Brandon Ingram wanted to kind of bet on himself and see, look, hey, I saw these guys get a max. I mean, when I did that story on him in January, 
uh, there was a quote in there where he says, you know, I see these blank uh, getting extensions. Uh, if you line them up one, you know, we play one game to 15, I, he goes, I'm winning 15, nothing. He's like, that's the kind of confidence level he had. So I think he, he wanted to bet on himself as well in this situation to where, uh, he felt he was worth a max deal and he was willing to wait for it. And I think the Pels were uh, more than happy to wait. Uh, you know, you, you, I guess what, in, in the end, you could have saved, you know, maybe 3 million a year. But I think when you're, when a guy's playing at a max level and all-star level, you're okay committing that money to him. Uh, for the Pels to be able to get him on the five-year straight max, no player option, I think is a win uh, for the Pels. And then Brandon Ingram gets a win because uh, if they ever do decide to deal him, he has, he has a 15% trade kicker. Uh, where, you know, he can end up getting, uh, you know, more money out of this down the line if they do decide to move on. I, I don't necessarily see that in the future. I think what I see is two guys who are uh, going to be your cornerstones and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. And, um, you know, there was some concern about the fit between those guys last year, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Uh, I think they kind of can, can learn to play with each other. You can stagger them a little bit in the second and third, and then you got two guys in the fourth uh, who can close out games, you, you hope. Obviously, you know Brandon Ingram can do it, and you hope Zion can be that guy as well. So uh, great move there. That was kind of one of the expected moves, I think. But, you know, being able to lock him up with uh, that, that fifth year without being a player option is, is definitely, I think, a win for the Pelicans. I think the most important part that we haven't gotten to, and this will be the last question before I let you go, is the the beef between you and Will Guillory um, in your yeah. shooting. Because, look, Stan Van Gundy's introductory press conference, he mentioned Will Guillory has the shelf of shoes behind him uh, about a shoe game. And then David Griffin yesterday kind of calling you out as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards your agreement there where shoes do belong in a closet. I mean, if someone has one pair of Jordans, so I feel like I'm the expert in this situation. I feel like, I mean, <laughs> buy one pair is sitting in my closet right now, ready to go if I want to put them on. But where do we stand with this right now between you and Will as far as, you know, the shoe game and, and the, I guess – you know, with Zooms, we can kind of see your background and you have a, a great background with your with your your books and your degrees. I mean, that's what the most part is most people's backgrounds. I'm sitting in my daughter's room right now, so my background's not so great. But <laughs> I guess where do we stand between you two after after what happened yesterday? You know, uh, I, I think the if we if we really wanted to know who the sneaker king was on the Pelicans beat, all we got to do is look at let's look at game footage. OK, let's let's go look at the court. Let's look at what happened. Who was bringing the heat during the games themselves? Um, I don't. I don't need to 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 show my shoes back here. Although I think I, I did have a pair of Kobe's back here, um, like early January, right after yeah. all that kind of went down, and you know, had my little Kobe's there, and then and then I sold those. So uh, so they're not there anymore. Yeah. But a bookcase is for books and and, and a little diplomas and trinket, whatever else. Uh, it's not for shoes. I, I I don't have my shoes sitting behind me. I. I feel like Will is, is is a little desperate in his game, trying to to show off his collection. And uh, you know, I remember there was a game he wore the same shoes I did. He was trying to be cool. He's trying to be like me. But you know, uh, we we all know. You know, I know. Uh, I think Griff knows as well. Stan Stan doesn't know just yet. But uh, granted, I don't know how Stan's going to see my shoes this year because it's uh, <laughs> this is, is going to be a weird one. But we we know who the sneaker king on the beat is. We we you know I know. Jim knows. But I don't. I don't need to show them off. <laughs> did you buy another pair of shoes after you got done yesterday? Was that something? Did you just run it and make sure just just because the heck of it? Just bought an extra pair of shoes, or? Uh, yes, I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, good guess. 
that was well, well it wasn't right before but it was it was right before and uh i think restrepo will will appreciate oh uh, you the, the white and the white and black and gold the white yeah the white the the gold metallic jordan ones i did buy those right before uh i got on yesterday so maybe maybe, maybe those will be the ones that make an appearance on the bookshelf but you know the next time we talk to graphics all right well good stuff there i'm glad we kind of set the record straight here and i think uh one of these days we'll We'll have to figure something out. I don't know if there's a can have a shoe battle. I, mean, I don't know what you do there, but you know if we ever do I, I, get this, look, all, all we got to do is look at the game footage, man. Just look at the game footage. Who's who's showing up, and who's not? I'll be emailing <laughs> SKC Security right after this and see if we can get game footage for the entire year. That way we can settle this right now. That's Andrew Lopez who covers the Pels and EA, the entire NBA for your ESPN.com. Andrew, I really appreciate the time and. You know, I think we might, you know, for maybe a preseason home game, we may see each other for the first time. I don't know how close we're able to get or if I'm waving to you from a balcony, but uh, I'm looking sure forward to wave. <laughs> and I appreciate the time, my friend. I'll be hanging out with Jim on the other side. You'll you'll be like, in the, I don't know where you're going to be, but I'll, I'll be hanging out with Jim and our socially distant seats that we have. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. That'll do it for this edition of the Pelicans podcast. Ben Daisiki. Um, we'll, we'll have some more for you, of course, when the schedule comes out, we'll react to that. And, uh, you never know who else will stop by here on the podcast for Jim and Andrew. I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by C.